They say, follow the money. So we're going to do a report from Viridian Capital Advisors about capital raises and includes everything from uh, traditional transactions. There was a, a leverage buyout last time. We're going to look at uh, both mergers and acquisitions, uh, debt issues, as well as equity raises, all of that stuff coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. So in terms of capital raises, there were four more transactions and a $424 million higher volume this period than last. Average deal size was $46 million versus $13 million in the same period last year. Might have seen some capital raise activity more than normal on the hopes of the SAFE Act. Uh, that's going to be the Banking Act that hopefully gets passed, probably will get pulled just like it did last time. Uh, but nonetheless, we're seeing some capital raises for the first five weeks of 2022, totaling three quarters of a billion dollars. And yet that's still down almost half of last year's total. So the reduced equity issues is down 79% year over year and 94% in Canada, uh, where there's partially made up for by strong debt issuance. So that's up 544% year over year in the US and 169% in Canada. So I think that's probably people taking whatever they can get. I don't think it's entirely that we're normalizing the market and people are looking at alternative asset classes like equity and debt. I think there's some folks just taking whatever they're whatever they can get, but it's a little bit of both. Looking at the debt issues, and that's highlighted by the, the green bar on the graph, it was raised uh, $405 million. That's primarily by three MSO issues. There's Goodness Growth at $55 million, Verano at $100 million, and then Columbia Care at $185 million. And there's one sizable Canadian uh, issue with the decibel at $54 million. So equity issuances, they're continuing to be muted despite 10% rally in cannabis equities probably can't afford the dilution uh, to keep handing out uh, equities. So a lot of these guys are already publicly traded on the OTC, not doing too hot. Um, and maybe that's it. We look at the capital raise by sector, biotech, big pharma, there was one debt raise. Cultivation and retail had five debt raises. That's really interesting. Uh, Investments in MA, there was only one. In software and media, there was only one. Media had its day at the end of the year. So that's that was kind of interesting. There was, I think, maybe five deals with media all at the end of the year. So uh, we'll see where that goes. Cannabis stocks, they saw a little bit of a pop and there might be some movement, you know, again, with this momentum of uh, the Safe Banking Act. So we're seeing some of the ETFs kind of go up maybe, you know, 10 percent and uh, they may go back down another 7 percent where they came from. When looking at equity raises, there was just a, a couple um, small, predominantly private equity deals for around 15 million bucks for just four. Biggest gainers and losers for the week included uh, Tilt Holdings uh, for the week, 63%. Quite the gain on that. Lowell Farms, uh, 60% as well. Medmen saw a pop of 42%. Goodness growth at 43 and then Harborside at 35. So, um, you know, if you don't want to miss out on, on huge pops like that, you can download the Toro Alerts app and that'll notify you of when to buy and sell. 
as it kind of gets into the market before the herd and tries to get you out uh, before everybody gets out as well. So 147% last year trading pot stocks and a lot of it is is huge like market swings like this people kind of get in at the wrong time they see this they're like oh i might as well get in now and it's already happened so you're gonna end up losing a ton of money so use something like toro alerts t-o-r-o alerts toro alerts it's an app on the android and ios tool that'll help save you some money so we talked about silver spike investment corp that's the largest equity raised closed in management investment company uh, they had an ipo of 85 million so they're going to compete with IIPR and commercial real estate. Um, and they're talking about like an attractive risk reward proposition for a couple of reasons. They project rapid growth in the canvas industry over the next five years. It's going to require significant capital spending and fostering strong loan demand. Number two, many cannabis companies are carrying conservative leverage and strong collateral coverage. So that means that uh, they can offer better Options. I mentioned that there was a multi-million dollar deal at four and three quarters, and so being able to have better deals, um, you know, and stronger collateral coverage is is a benefit. Some attached warrants can significantly boost returns of a portfolio, given the re relative likelihood of legalization in the next three to five years. I've talked about warrants and how I don't particularly like them because. Uh, paying for a warrant that rarely uh, is exercisable um, isn't something that I particularly like. So if you want to gamble, gamble on an option because at least that intrinsic value is going somewhere, uh, whereas warrants, um, I don't particularly enjoy those. A couple of public company listings, two of the six companies that raised capital were public, both trading Canada and on the um, U.S. OTC. Equity versus debt. Equity accounted for four of the six capital raises and 16% of the proceeds, while as debt accounted for 72% of the raises. Looking at credit quality of the issuers was a deciding, decidingly higher with three issues in the top 18 credits uh, with companies that at least had $150 million market cap. So six debt deals closed for proceeds of 405 million bucks. Largest debt deal occurred with Columbia Care, seventh largest MSO by market cap. They had a private placement of 185 million. It's a nine and a half percent note that's due on 2026. So even nine and a half percent is not bad for 185 million. It's probably twice as much as what I've seen, but four and three quarters is like stupid low. So sub 10% is great for a cannabis company. So Viridian Capital, they've created a credit score. So we're going to look at the, the cost of capital relative to you know, how Viridian uh, grades these guys. So looking at this chart, it's showing the effective cost of recent debt issues relative to their, their credit score. So apparent mispricing of goodness growth and medicine man issues. So they are uh, expecting an increased secondary market trading that it's going to allow for them to better address questions on whether or not Columbia Care's pricing at 9.5% is sufficient compensation to adequately reward investors for their model in a uh, credit risk. But a lot of these guys are super greedy, so they're going to want 1% uh, to take home or 1.5% to take home. 9.5% um, is, is definitely going to be as much as they're gonna get once we have legalization. So again, all of these companies really wanna push off legalization because they're gonna make way more money in the meantime. Once there's legalization, there's gonna be a lot more competition, therefore driving those rates down 
on uh, how much they're going to be able to charge these companies. Once you have banking and everything else, uh, interest rates are going to come, come way, way down. Some of these companies won't qualify, though. They're, they're be, they've been given the opportunity now, but once there's federal legalization, uh, then anyone can get in the game and it's going to change valuations dramatically. So we'll kind of see who remains relevant, who can pivot to stay relevant long term. Going to highlight a deal that didn't happen. A lot of times you can learn, uh, you know, practice doesn't make perfect, failure does. So sometimes you can learn from things that don't happen or mistakes or uh, other opportunities. So looking at in innovative industrial properties, IIPR trades on uh, New York Stock Exchange. It's the largest REIT that's focused on the cannabis space. That's the real estate investment trust. So they announced a $300 million six year senior unsecured note on February 4th. They announced that it would not be proceeding due to market conditions. So they had to pull those off early February when the market just kind of crashed. So um, not, not surprising. Real estate-backed finance sector has been um, highly active in the market in the last six months. And so right now there's a pullback, massive pullback in tech. You've probably seen that in Facebook and Amazon and everything else. So IIPR may have also pulled their, their deal because the bond market's pricing in higher inflation and higher interest rates. So five-year treasury yields increased over 40 basis points in the last month. And so not ideal time to be issuing debt. So that could be a part of that reason. IIPR um, has underperformed both of its peer groups and the uh, MSOS ETF. So they're down 25% year to date versus a decline of only about 10% for its peers, reflecting that increased aggressiveness of recently financed AFC Gamma, New Lake, Chicago, Atlantic, or an increased preference for secure debt as opposed to sale leasebacks. So IIPR is all about uh, buying something and then leasing right back instead of you know, some other options. There's um, different, different companies that are involved here as well. Uh, kind of all doing the same thing, and yet IIPRs still probably getting lumped into cannabis stocks. If it were maybe more categorized as uh, real estate, it might not be suffering so bad. To be fair, though, the ET cannabis ETFs are doing better because of the uh, the Safe Banking Act and and the hyperbole behind that, and, and the hopes that that bill is going to pass. Um, probably won't, but again, these kind of move in momentum with any kind of bill or uh, hype around legalization. So um, no one's really expecting the bill to pass. The impact would be huge, but it's not really gonna go anywhere. So short-term effects is kind of a pump and dump effect. It's just gonna kind of come up and then come right back down. See, cannabis finance companies are expanding, uh, particularly the MSOs and their operations into new states to pursue some acquisitions to try and scale in existing states. They know that their valuations in Canada are bloated and they need to come back down in the US where there's a huge amount of consumers relative to Canada. Their exports have not met their expectations and what they told investors. And so they have to come back down here for domestic markets. California is gonna be huge as soon as they can figure out the whole mess that's going down there. So that mergers and acquisitions, there's nine M&As that closed uh, last period. So that was about 617 million compared to five deals of 24 million in the period last year. Eight of the nine deals were completed by public buyers. Year to date, the merger and acquisition activities up about 83%, about 1.1 billion in transactions. Four transactions were greater than 100 million, 
And that was about 81% year to date for all of the deals that closed, including Leafly, they de-SPAC'd. They were part of a specialty purpose acquisition corp. They de-SPAC'd into their own company, um, trading independently. That was 445 million. And then there was uh, an acquisition, $137 million acquisition of German biotech company. We talked about the valuation gap between the largest MSO, MSOs and less than $300 million market cap group, uh, which is a primary uh, M&A target. So significant driver of merger and acquisition activity, gonna create a lot of opportunities for some of these established MSOs to kind of come down and grab these smaller companies that are worth you know, around a quarter of a billion dollars. So this graph, graph is showing an enterprise value to the next 12 months of EBITDA. So it's gonna show you what the value is relative to their earnings, for companies that are worth at least three quarters of a billion dollars uh, and those that are worth less than 300 million. So we see the valuation gap at its peak in February of 2021 when the optimism about potential federal legalization after Biden got elected, that was running rampant. And then uh, despite the general declining valuation multiples for the larger and smaller companies, the gap between them remained remarkably steady in an average of four multiple points of EV to EBITDA. That's the percentage gap that's increasing over the period. Long story short, that's gonna be consolidation. So uh, even though valuations are coming down for everyone, there's still this, this gap. So just because they're bigger, they're, they're given this premium. Um, and so that really sets up kind of a, an M&A opportunity for these little guys to be bought out because their valuations are smaller for whatever reason. So multiple drivers of consolidation is going to be going on in 2022. Uh, no doubt it's going to be a pretty robust M&A environment. So largest M&A deal, that was the Merida. Um, they completed its de-spacking process with Leafly. Uh, heard about that for sure. M&As by sector, you can see um, software was acquired. Uh, actually, the software companies acquired investments. Agriculture acquired some more agricultural tech, um, all the way down to you know software acquiring infused products and extracts. Overall, not too shabby for uh, some capital raises. If you follow the money, we can see again eleven deals of five, uh, half a billion dollars. Average deal size being forty six million dollars uh, with nine M and As. Um, all in all, that's not too bad this year. So uh, stay tuned. We'll see what happens again. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out. And check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows? Maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.